Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce Kaneshiro. I'm on the um, board of directors here. And today is a little bit of a unique service in that it's our annual meeting. And so we're going to take a little bit of time before we dismiss you all to just go through a few things that um, we do in our annual meeting. So the annual meeting is a, kind of a special meeting in that it's an opportunity for, to take a pause and to look back on what happened in 2019 and celebrate the way God was moving in our church, but also an opportunity to look forward and talk about what's on the horizon in 2020. And so we did have um, the slide deck handouts uh, in the foyer. And so if you need one, just raise your hand. And it looks like Chris is passing them out because we're not displaying on the screen because the, the font is too small. So you're actually going to need one to see what we're, we're referring to. Um, so we have to take care of one order of housekeeping, and that is to approve the minutes from last year. And so if you look to the appendix, which is, I think, page 14, page 15, I'm sorry. And there you'll see the minutes from a year ago where we had this annual meeting. And so we need to approve that. And so hopefully the members have read these minutes and are ready to approve them. But I'll give you guys a few seconds to kind of quickly look it over. And when someone is ready, can you, I need a motion from a member to approve them. So whenever a member is ready, just raise your hand and say, I make a motion to approve these minutes. Yeah, thank you. So can I have a second on that? All right. Thanks, Patrick. So all in favor of approving the minutes from a year ago, 2019, please say aye. All right. Thank you, everybody. So I'm going to turn this, the, the more interesting part of the annual meeting over to uh, Pastor Calvin and Caitlin, and they were going to be sharing some God sightings that happened in the past year. Hello, good morning. Yeah, Caitlin and I have the opportunity to share about uh, some God sightings in 2019. As we prepare for our annual meeting, it's always uh, beneficial to look backwards so that we can then look forward to what will happen in 2020 in our planning. And um, God has amazingly chosen the local church to be his light in the world. I mean, that is kind of an amazing thing to, to realize that God has chosen the local church to be his light in the world. We are to be hope for a world that desperately needs more hope. And, and one of the things that, that we see uh, oftentimes are these God sightings. And God sightings are things that often we try to look for in the spectacular. You know, it's kind of man's common uh, need to make things better and bigger. And that is true, and I don't deny that God can, can do the sensational. But oftentimes God works more in the quiet, in seemingly insignificant moments. And if we are not receptive to that, we can miss out on the grandeur of God's workings in this world. So in your, in your annual reports, there is a couple of sheets that are showing some God sightings, 
and they're illustrated by some numbers. And so for some of you, those numbers can be pretty spectacular, or maybe not. Because I said, oftentimes, our perspectives are, are relative. And you can say, well, there's other people who do bigger things or more sensational things. But I want to point to you also that God works in some insignificant ways to many of us, but they have actually very powerful workings of God. One number I wanted to share and highlight for all of you is number of, I think it's $75,000, which is our charitable giving. And just a little explanation about what that means is that our church, for many years now, have made this commitment to kind of tie back into the world what God has given us through, through your giving, your faithful giving to the church. So every year we plan on giving away 10, 10% of that, at least 10% of that. So $75,000 is a way that we give back to other ministries and nonprofits that we partner with. And so that's a kind of a cool thing. Oftentimes churches don't do that. A lot of times they take the money and they try to serve everything within their, their church walls. But we have made an effort to give back into the world at least 10% of what we collect as part of our income. So 75000 represents that. So that number has some significance, but all these numbers in the annual report, what illustrates them more powerfully are these stories that they represent. And that's where Caitlin and I will be telling some of these stories that maybe give you more inspiration or more hope than just these pure numbers. So some of the organizations that we support uh, are, are Freely and Hope and, and maybe InterVarsity, and we happen to support them because they are also housed in our church office, which is kind of a cool thing that not too many churches do that, but we have a couple nonprofits that we partner with, and they're housed in our, in our church office. So we utilize our facilities in more multiple ways. But Freely and Hope, um, last year, uh, in November, they had their ninth uh, anniversary, ninth year anniversary, and they had a big celebration and gala. And one of their goals at that, that dinner was to raise $120,000 from November till the end of December. So that's a lofty goal, but they did achieve it. So that's actually good news. So they raised $120,000 in a couple of months. So that's a cool thing. And they do uh, ministry in Africa where they help women and girls who have suffered um, sexual violence. And so their organization helps women and the prevention of that kind of violence in, in, nation, in certain nations and countries in Africa. So many people in our church support that, and they're part of one of the ministries that we, we do. And out of our generosity, God's work is being done in Africa. Now that in itself would be a great story. Just that money's being donated. But I want to tell you a, a story that's related to that. So at that gala, which is uh, an opportunity for fundraising, but there's a fun activity there that a lot is very popular with a lot of the people that attend. It's the auctions. And so one of the parts is bidding for these desserts. So there, is one, there was one cake that one of the winning bids was for about $1,000. I think it was a thousand or a little bit more. And the winning bid was from one of the members in our church. And the cool part is that, that sure, there was a thousand dollars that was given to Freely and Hope, but everybody was actually envious of that cake 
because it was a dark chocolate cake. And um, the generosity wasn't just in the, in the giving of the money for the cake, but that person offered that cake to other people. And he shared the cake with not only his own table, but with two other tables. And one of those tables was the one that I hosted. And part of the story here is what's cool is that the guests that I had on my table, two of them were not church people. They're not Christians. One is actually my cousin. And to her, she was curious. She said, why did they share that cake with us? Do you know them? And then I kind of smiled and said, well, they all go to our church, and we're all family. And that's why he shared the cake with our table and the other table, because we had three tables being represented at that gala. And what was being demonstrated to my cousin is that as God's people, as we love God, we will love one another. Jesus says in, uh, <clears throat> in John, John 13, these words. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It was good cake. I can attest to it. Um, So for those of you who don't know, this past year our young adult group actually had some changes. Uh, Our young adult group, we used to be just one home group and now we are two. Um, But for many years, Quest and Jared and the other home group leaders have been faithfully serving and leading the group. And um, when I joined, it was, it was a blessing to join. And, and so it got, it, it got so big that there was maybe upwards of 20 people coming to every home group. And imagine doing a Bible study with like 20 plus people. Um, and so throughout this year, God, God actually, actually was teaching me something too. They had brought up the idea of, oh, maybe we, should, maybe we should multiply. Maybe it's time for us to kind of expand our group and form two different ones and be able to um, continue in the ministry that way. And first, I admit, when I heard that, I was like, what? <laughs> I just got here. <laughs> like, like, you know, it was, I admit I was sad. I was like, oh, you know, we're not going to see certain friends. And, you know, I, I saw it more as a split than a multiplication. And the leaders, they were faithful and strong and um, believed that the Lord was calling them to do this. And slowly over the, year, uh, over the time that we've been s- multiplied, um, I've seen the fruit of that. Um, every, uh, everywhere in the Bible, we, we see how God wants us to multiply. In the, in the Great Commission, he, he calls us to make disciples of all nations, to make disciples who make disciples. And so this, but through the young adult group, God was teaching me, like, hey, this is a good thing. You've got one good thing going. Let me expand it. Let me continue to make a good thing. And by the grace of God, both groups are flourishing. Both groups are growing in their respective ways. And even the home group that I'm a part of in Berkeley, we've got way more new young adults who have joined. And so, honestly, I feel like we're going to have to multiply again soon. Um, But really, that's just by the grace of God, being faithful, um, and 
and growing these ministries in ways that maybe the leaders didn't even know years ago would happen. And so that's one of the ways that I've seen God really work um, through the young adult ministry. Another thing, another small thing, um, I know that we've had a interesting year and that there have been ups and downs, um, but I have been able to see how God has been faithful through it, um, even in the little things that people might not see. Not on a, on a big scale, maybe, and it might mean more to me than some people here, but um, I've seen God meet needs in, in very tangible ways that points to the, to the large thing. Like, I don't, I don't have uh, fear that he's not going to provide for our church because he's provided in these ways. And some examples from worship is, is that for so long I've been praying for a worship leader, another worship leader to come because I really needed the help and, and, and then God brought me Josh. Um, and Josh has been faithfully serving here and leading worship um, every month. Um, for, for a year, maybe a year and a half, I've been praying, praying, praying that God would help the worship ministry grow and bring um, a core team of people. And for so long, it was just me and Linda, wherever Linda's. Um, and, and through the years, God has brought not only two people, but five people on our core team. And now we're able to meet every month and we pray for the church and we pray for all of you and pray for each other and it's just, it's good. And so I know that's just for me. I see it in worship, but I'm sure in hospitality and usher and all the ministries here that God has been meeting needs and providing in so many ways and so we can have faith moving forward with our church because God is faithful. So uh, my next story, probably final story, is that... uh, the first story I shared was how we love God, and by loving God, we love others. And the other part, which I'm going to tell now, is that we love God by serving the world. And, and it was cool in this past year, one of the highlights that's shown in the annual report is that we started up a social justice small group. And, and I know it may sound corny, one small group, but I think it's a commitment that our church has made that we will follow God's command to... Um, care for the orphan widows and the poor, those who are marginalized and considered insignificant in the world. So this isn't just some trivial thing that we decided to do. I think it's a major uh, demonstration that we are committed to this command that God has given to us. So the the social justice group um, led by Kristen Fu, I guess it's Kristen Fu Lu now, uh, has... uh, rallied women to, to um, partner up with City Team Ministries. Uh, some of you already know that, that our church has been working with City Team Ministries more on the men's side. And, and just last month, we had a baptism of some of their men here, and we'll continue to work with them. I know Pastor Andrew has made a commitment to bring some men over to City Team to meet with some of the men uh, and fellowship with them once a month. And that's a cool development. But on the women's side, this is a new development, started with with Kristen, that we will now have these, uh, they have um, a women's ministry that's called Turning Point. And uh, already some of our our members, particularly some of the women, have been collecting uh, needed items that the women need and and bring it to them at the shelter. But they also have 
uh, once a month, a, a kind of a open dinner that others can come and, and cook for them and then spend time in fellowship and also then be able to have a time to develop relationships. So that's a cool development coming out of you know, the small beginnings of this social justice small group. And so I'm excited about that and what God will continue to do through that working. And that's just in fulfilling a commandment that Jesus gives to us in, in the parable of the sheep and goats from Matthew 25, where Jesus says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So when we serve the poor, the orphans, and the widows, it's an opportunity where as we serve them, we also are serving Jesus. And that's a cool thing. So I hope these, these stories um, that are behind the numbers you see will be inspiring and, and giving you hope for the coming year. So thank you for allowing us to share them. Um, so we're going to move into um, just a short presentation here on what's happening with the lead pastor search. Uh, a lot of this information actually has been provided in a couple of board updates during service. So for some of you, this will not be anything new, but there is some new stuff that we are going to show you. So uh, I'm going to bring up Yvonne because I think that the first slide is something she's going to cover, right? Yeah, Yvonne? I'm going to cover the first slide and let's see if it works. Point, yeah, point at Point it, point up here. No. Oh, there oh, it goes. Scott did it. Oh, thank you, Scott. Okay, so I want to talk about the pastor search committee, and I'm on it along with Rick Kwan and Jordan. Hey, Jordan, and Lynn. Okay, so and Yan and Yan. Where's Yan? Okay. Anyway, what I wanted to say: What is our primary responsibility? Because I did get this question a week ago. Who, what does the pastor search committee do, and what does the board do? So pastor search committee, our primary responsibility is we're doing the recruiting, and we're doing the initial vetting. So we're going to get the candidates that come in. We're going to screen them, and once they pass screening, we're going to um, coordinate the fir what I call first round of interviews with key ministry leaders. And once those interviews are done, we will bring the candidate in to come in and visit our church um, do, a, do a message, and we'll also meet uh, his spouse. So that's, that's at, at a nutshell. After that, if this candidate's still a candidate, we will go ahead and um, bring that candidate through to the board, and the board will continue with reference checks and background checks, as well as their set of interviews for him. And finally, the, since he has already visited with his family to our church, and the congregations had a chance to hear him, meet him, maybe have a meal with him, then there's a vote. And we will not proceed. The church is not going to proceed with making an offer unless there's majority vote and majorities two-thirds of the, of the members agree to make an offer. Does, does that make sense? Is that pretty clear? That's a high-level like, overview of what, what the interview process looks like. Okay. All right, so let's move on to how, how we're going to screen this. How are we going to screen candidates? What's the pastor search committee going to do? So that job description that we spent a lot of time working on and we got feedback from you, that includes the feedback that we had from the, the survey we did a few, last summer. Well, it comes down to this. We're looking on this five 
pretty five, five criteria. First, does he love God and model this? Is he a good teacher and preacher? Is he a vision caster? Can he foster relationships with multiple generations? Is he intergenerational? And can he effectively lead an organization as large as CLC? And there's an extra typo there because I typed this slide like literally 10 o'clock at night last night. So I was tired, okay? All right. So assuming he meets this criteria, then that's how we're going to pass these candidates through, and that's what we're vetting them on. Okay, any questions? All right. So what have we been doing so far? Um, well, so we, the external recruiter, Grassbridge, has provided four candidates who we've been screening already. We've spoken to them. We've been listening to the sermons, their podcasts. It's not just me. It's Lynn and Jordan and Yan and, and Rick as well. So we all have been listening and looking. We've, we've also had some phone conversations with them. And at this time, we've also received a couple of folks that actually heard about us looking for um, a lead pastor, and they threw their name in the hat too. They inquired about it. So we did, did continue to screening those, those two. Right now, we have not, um, we haven't identified anyone for the next step. And that's for a variety of reasons, but right now we don't have a candidate for the next step, which is to bring them in to meet the ministry leaders, okay? So that's where we are. And I'm going to turn this slide over to, turn this over to Bruce, who's going to step in for part two. And I hope it works. All right. Yes. Go back. Yeah, go back. <laughs> All right. Does that mean you guys have determined that those six are not, I guess, So a couple of them did not, um, did not, a couple of them could have been. A couple of them could have been. Uh, but they were not interested in the lead pastor role. They were they were open to other possibilities and discussing it, and that's so we're like, okay, that's cool. Um, there are some that were interested in the lead pastor role, but they, they didn't meet the criteria. Based on their experience or how their teaching style, it wasn't a good fit. Okay. Hands up in the back. On number two, we're screening candidates Yes. Yes, and there, there's a reason for that. Um, Bruce, do you want to take that one? What, what's the question? <laughs> the question was, uh, we, the candidate is a he. Why is it a he and not a she? Ah, that question. <laughs> okay, I think I'm going to actually ask Pastor Andrew May to explain the... the <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a biblical... Good one, Priscilla. And I'm not... I think I'm not qualified to explain that, so I will let him take that. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think this this whole process has been very good for us. Um, it, it's it's helped us kind of uh, really ask some 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 deep questions on the identity of Christian layman and what our values are at. And one of the things that I've, I've realized, like, and it's not just for this issue, it also, like, kind of harkens back to the message today. Like, I realize that, like, an obvious thing about our church is that um, we are mostly Asian American, right? 
And so um, if it would be probably one of the most obvious things that you notice about our church if you were newcomer. Oh, most of these people are, are Asian American. And, and so um, when people come, we understand that there are people from a broad spectrum of theological belief at the same church, right? And so I understand that not everyone is in the same sort of category. Now, I, I can tell you uh, the conversation that we've been having as a board and my personal recommendation um, in that conversation um, as a person who loves God's word, takes it very seriously, has been studying it. So the question is, um, should the next lead pastor be male? Uh, should we consider female candidates? Okay, short story is my recommendation to the board is like, I believe the next lead pastor should be male. All right? Now, now it, uh, why? I think that's a great question. The, the, the short version of that is we can have a longer conversation about that, uh, maybe over coffee, maybe a whole other meeting where we actually uh, talk about this. But I would say that my recommendation to the board is that the next lead pastor be male. And here's the reason why. Short, short explanation. I do believe as I read various scriptures that there is a principle and a value for male headship reflected in the church. <clears throat> um, and it's, it's based on various passages. And uh, <clears throat> if you extract that principle of male headship and then from the scriptures and then you apply it into the context at CLC, how do you apply it, I think is the question. It's the question that we must wrestle with. Even at the end of the day, maybe different people are in different sort of um, theological belief on that issue. I think one of the driving issues for any church is here's a value for male headship in the church. Churches, how do you apply that? Now, my recommendation for our church, given where we live, the context of the Bay Area, is that it be applied in certain positions at the church. Chairman of the board would be one. Lead pastor would be another. And that would be my, my, my best articulation in terms of where it should be applied, in terms of integrity in the scripture, and how it should be applied. But here's the thing. I realize that different churches are going to apply it differently. If you go to John Piper's church, you know, they apply it very strictly. You go to another church, it's a different kind of application. And so that would be my recommendation for our church, understanding that we're still in this process of conversation, talking to more and more of our members. And so we will continue to talk to you more and more about it. But that has been my recommendation to the board. Did I miss anything? That's it for me, unless there's any other questions. If not, I'm going to hand it over to Bruce, and he'll finish. Okay. Okay, so um, this slide is a recap of all the work that's been happening, actually dating back to last year. And I think this is the stuff that many of you have seen, but maybe some of you have not seen this. So we just want to kind of summarize where we are, what has been done. Um, so as, as Yvonne said, um, well, actually, no. This is a what's next. I'm, I'm mistaken. So, uh, 
Do we have a slide on what's been done so far? Maybe I'm getting confused. That's, that's actually at the end. That's at the end. Okay. So this is about how can we help? What can be? What should be? What should we be doing going forward? And there's two things that we're want to emphasize here. One is, of course, pray and asking the Lord to bring the the right individual to our to our congregation to enter into the application process. And we believe that if we cover that with prayer, if all of us are collectively praying about that, then the Lord will answer. And so pray. Um, and secondly network. So it's important to get the word out about the upcoming vacancy. And there's going to be some practical things that can be provided to people as to how to get this information out. We'll get, that, get into that a little bit later. But as, as I think we've been advised by various people that um, oftentimes the best candidates that come forward are coming forward as word of mouth. That they heard about this through someone who knew you or knew someone who knew you or, you know, basically there's, what do they call it, seven steps of separation or whatever, that people hear, hear the, the story of Christian Layman Church, that there's a vacancy, and the word begins to spread. And usually, that's at least from what we hear from other churches, that's usually the candidate that gets picked, not someone who's coming in cold off of a recruiter. That's not to say we don't need a recruiter. We do have one, as, as Yvonne has mentioned, and that person is looking for potential candidates. But to augment that effort, we think that it's really important that all of us are out there talking to our networks, talking to friends, acquaintances, family members that, hey, we're going to have a vacancy as for the lead pastor position in our church by the summer of 2021. And here's some information about our church. Pass this on to people that you think might be interested. So that's what that second point is about. Um, who to contact if you have any questions. Again, the pastoral search committee, Yan, you see those names up there, Yvonne, Jordan. Rick and Lynn, uh, and then of course the board of directors and, and the staff. So, any questions on on this information here? Okay, so we'll move on to the next slide. So this is some cool stuff. Maybe some of you have seen this already or aware of it. But one of the ways that we're trying to get the word out is, of course, through the internet. So we've created. There's been a couple web pages that've been that've been created, and I want to. Thank um, Linda Liu. Thank you, Linda. Uh, where's Will? Will Chung. Is he here? I know he was a big part of this. He, was, he had to go. Okay. I know Linda, Will, Yvonne, Lynn. So thank you very much for moving this ahead. So the first slide, the past transition, that's really actually more for our community. So this is a place where we will be providing updates as to what's going on. You'll see a timeline in there. You'll see background, the history of how we got, how we got to here. Um, and so it's really more for us to understand what's happening. The other one, the come work with us, is the more for our applicants. So that's the place where applicants can go, uh, basically contact us and say, hey, I'm interested. That's sort of the point of entry, you might think of it, at least online, as to where an applicant can begin the process of being considered as a candidate here. Um, so both are important in terms of communication, and these sites are the ones that you can, or at least the, certainly the second one, is one that you can forward uh, to your network and say, hey, here's a place where people can go and begin the process. Um, any questions about the web pages that have been set up? Okay. Okay. 
They're easy to find. When you go to ChristianLeeman.com, there's the menu navigation bar at the top. Go to About, and it's in that sub-menu. When you drop down, there's going to be Lead Pastor Transition and, uh, new, and New Opportunities. Okay? All right. Okay, and then the last slide. Okay, here's our timeline. So this was presented, I think, in November at our, I think, our town hall meeting. Uh, that first block was the work that was done in the fall of 2019 when the job description was being finalized and the search committee was being formed. Now we're moving into 2020. And as you can see there, that's really the time we're launching more actively launching and getting the word out. So again, the web pages are up. We're encouraging you to get the word out so people are aware that we're in, we're in a search mode. We're open to hearing from candidates. Uh, the recruiter is actively reaching out. And then the, that third block is kind of a guess, like when is this all gonna actually play out? Well, it kind of depends on who comes through the door. Uh, but from between the spring of 2020 to the summer of 2021, the anticipation is there'll be candidates coming through and as uh, Yvonne was describing, an opportunity for all of you to have some input into that process, to meet uh, the individual through when they're coming to preach or in formal gatherings where you get to know the person and have some time of Q&A with them. <laughs> and then summer of 2021, that is when uh, we celebrate um, a new chapter for, for the Wong family as they uh, are heading into the mission field. Um, and hopefully around that time, we're commissioning a new pastor. Um, so that's the general timeline. Again, it's kind of dynamic, so we'll see how it, in a sense, plays out. Uh, so I think that's our last slide. Is that it? Yep. So... We're opening it up for questions either on this information about the lead pastor search uh, or the budget, um, the things that we talked about uh, in the sanctuary, the budget, uh, or any of the other, other issues that were raised. Or if you just have a general question about something we didn't talk about, how, now is the time to, to throw them out to us. Yes, Colin. On the first slide, it mentioned the two-thirds Majority membership vote. Is that a byline? Is that a church byline, or is that who determined that? Then is majority membership a full membership or a quorum? So the first question is, where did that come from? So, okay, sorry. So yeah. So the question that Colin had is, who determined the two-third majority membership? I guess rule in which a candidate must, I guess, meet that threshold in order for an offer to be made. Where did that come from? What's the origin of that? So to answer your question, no, it's not in the bylaws. Uh, that is something that the board decided at one of our meetings in this past fall where we deliberated over that. Is there, what is the threshold by which a candidate should be made, made an offer? And so you can have a really high threshold, which is 100% Every single member must say yes. If there's one person that says no, then person cannot advance, right? That's an extremely high uh, threshold to try and get to. Very admirable though, right? Because that means that everybody is on board with it. Or you can have 50%, right? 50% plus one. Um, so we went back and forth on this. Actually, this is a difficult question. What is the appropriate 
threshold by which someone should be advancing toward an offer. And after a lot of time of praying about it, I guess I'll be honest, arguing about it, there's a lot of, a lot of positions being taken, a lot of different views on the board about what is appropriate. Where, where are we comfortable in making that call? We have to make a call somewhere. Uh, so that was the determination that it would be two-thirds of the member membership. Now, I think I didn't quite understand your second question. It's two-thirds of people who showed up that day or... It is two-thirds of the membership. That's how, actually, yeah. that's how I, I've always thought of it. But that's a good question, because what if someone was missing and they didn't come, then how does that person's vote or non-vote get calculated? So I think we're looking at it as it's two-thirds of all members. Yes. Uh, yes, Godfrey. Is the ch so your question is, is the church anticipating a departure of members? Okay, so the question is, is the board anticipating that, say it was a two-third, one-third split, that we would anticipate that the one-third who were no on a candidate would they leave? That's your question. Um, I don't know if, I'm not sure if I could say anticipate is the right word. Um, we certainly, the board certainly hopes that if it came down to that, that the, those who were in the minority would not leave. Um, but it's impossible to predict how all that will play out. So, we, yeah, we don't know who's going to, if there is a vote, and when that vote comes, it may be unanimous, it may be more than two-thirds, it may be the, the group that did not want to have this person as the lead pastor, we can't dictate what will happen, but it is a potential outcome where that, that the folks that were not happy with that decision would leave, and that's something the church will need to be prepared for. <laughs> We hope it's not that acrimonious because that is a terrible, that's a terrible outcome, <laughs> at least for me. But um, I, I think I would hope that we would be a mature enough organ. We've been here together for many, many, many years. A lot of us have been members for many, many years. And I'm hoping that we can have open dialogues about this before we take a vote. And, and each member takes it seriously and considers it. I think what's important, oh, we'll get right to you, Linda. So I think what's important is, so as part of that process of assessing a candidate, that there's going to be opportunity for people to, you know, meet this person in the, and his spouse, you know, in informal one-on-one -on -one gatherings where you can ask questions. And the board is just simply not going to let that happen without asking you what you think. I mean, we want to know how people are are feeling about the individual. So we're going to be talking to a lot of you uh, and getting your feedback as to if there's really strong opinions. Like, I'm strongly against this person. We want to understand, well, why? Um, and I guess, conversely, if you're strongly for, we want to understand why. So, so part of this is, a, a, that's not really captured in that slide, but we really want to have a lot of back and forth there's a big... dialogue with you all. Yes, that's right. So what you don't see here are detailed flow 
workflows and diagrams, and I've I, the board's seen it, the pastor search committee has seen it, and we're happy to make those available for you if you'd like to review. Honestly, if I showed you these these flows, your your mind would blow, and you'd have to squint because it's very small font. Literally, we've we've and we've put in multiple checkpoints, what I call checkpoints, where we actually engage. It's not we're, we're not working in a vacuum here. Every, we, we are going to be engaging actively with the congregation, with the key leaders. This is not a decision that's just up to the board or the pastor search committee. So I think Linda had her hand up, and then I think Cindy's next. So go ahead, Linda. To follow on to what Javon's mentioning, my question is about the, how it feels with the structure. Is it like the vote for the membership is just to affirm that this is a candidate that the board is, is putting up for approval, or is it more like So that's a. Let's repeat the question. So, okay. Linda, your question was: What what if it's a scenario where there's multiple candidates that are potential, and they've passed the pastor search committee, and they passed all the rounds, and we've we've been blessed with the, an opportunity to pick from a, a set of more than one? That that would be a nice problem to have, honestly. Come on, guys! <laughs> Did you not see the criteria? So. Um, but that said, in the event, the, the question is, in the event that there are multiple candidates for us to choose from and to make an offer, how are we going to handle that? Is that what you're asking? Okay. All right. So. I think that if, if that happens, say there are two people coming through, I would imagine that the board, if the board felt, well, so prior to handing it off to the congregation for that input, the board will be discussing whether we want to present or present to you all a, that vote. So I suppose that the board would be, if there's two people, it could handle it one of two ways. It could say, you know what, we think this individual is really the one, so we're just going to present you that person, and that's kind of it, and you decide. Or if the, really it's a, it's a very, I don't know, close call, um, I can imagine the board would present both people uh, to the congregation. So it, I think it's, it kind of depends. Yeah. Yeah, to answer my, my sort of hidden question was basically by the time they present for membership vote, that means you guys are like, this is the one we want to say yes. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yes. After all the processing has happened and input from you all through either what you heard when they come and preach or in the informal get-togethers and the Q&A time and so on. Okay, now I think Cindy, oh, there you are, yeah. So Mike, she like totally, that was one of my first part of my question. Yeah, so the second part of my question was, so let's say we only do end up having like one candidate, right? And by the time this candidate is presented, is, there, is it just like, here's the name, both, or Yeah. So your question is, how much time do people have to 
I guess, process on their own before the actual vote occurs? Like, do you have time to follow up and find out more about them? Uh, good question. I don't, I don't have a specific answer for you. And it sounds like there would be a desire for people to have some time to process it, do a little bit of research on their own. Is that, is that kind of where you're going? Or? Okay, so, so Cindy, that's actually a good question, and, and let me see if I package that correctly. So, and I want to make sure this question is recorded correctly. Um, your question is, when, when, the board, when the past research committee or when the board finishes their vetting, we, by this time, um, he, this candidate has already spoken to the pulpit, and by the way, that's a good, clear indicator. If, you, if we're bringing him to the pulpit, he's passed through a lot of gates, okay? Um, and, that's, and after he's passed through the pulpit and the board has finished vetting through the reference checks and background checks and also interviewing him, and we're ready to bring him for a vote, the question you have is how long is that period going to be? And do you, as a congregation, a member of the congregation, have to do your own, what I call, due diligence, Right to be able to go look at it, listen to his podcasts or sermons, or and do your research too. That's a fair question. I would say that's a fair question. Um, one thing we could say now is if he is coming, come. And the last time we did this was Pastor Andrew. This has been a long time, right? long time ago. So we will we can take that. I I don't want to answer off the cuff. I I think the board should take some time to think about that. Yeah, yeah, we do. So we did do, um, Calvin's reminding me, we did build in checkpoints, and that goes back to the detailed flow of where we have. So when we, when the pastor search committee does the first round of vetting, we actually reach out to key leaders, ministry leaders. So everybody in the back of the bulletin, if you're a leader there, you're, you're going to get tagged to go meet this potential candidate. Once that's a view, view that, that they pass the interviews from there, they're given the opportunity to interview to phone screen, and if they pass, we're going to bring him here. That's the opportunity for the congregation, and we're, we're going to introduce him to the congregation and also bring him in as a guest speaker. So that by that time, it usually takes a couple of months for us to coordinate all of that, and you're going to hear about it. it hopefully by then you haven't had a chance to do some due diligence too. Does that make sense, Cindy? Okay. All right. We're not going to spring a person on you and work in the dark. I promise you we're, we're trying to be as transparent as possible. Okay. Okay. Any other questions with regard to lead pastor? If you think of something later after this meeting, of course, feel free to email the board. We're happy to respond. If you need more data, more details, we're happy to share that with you. As Yvonne said, there's more detail behind this, but it, it's kind of not the, I don't know, we thought, oh, let's present the flow chart, but it's really wonky and kind of... It's big. It's, it's sort really of, big. There's a part one and a part two. It's big. <laughs> so. It's kind of engineering-ish. The engineers would love it, but I don't know. For a meeting like this, it's kind of hard to discuss. So we thought we'd give a, maybe a little bit higher level description of it. But if you want more, we certainly can share it all. Like how, you know, show me the, each step. How does it all fit together? We can definitely do that. Um, questions about the budget and the, the deficit that 
we are approving. So as Yvonne said, we approved a budget for 2020 that has a fairly sizable deficit. I think it's 70... 77. 77,000, similar to last year. We did that last year. 67 last year. Uh, 67. <laughs> but the Lord provided. It was awesome. I mean, and, and that's through you. I mean, it's through the faithful giving of, of the congregation that that deficit was actually essentially erased. Uh, we're doing that again this year, and that most of that deficit is... Basically, we're setting aside money for the anticipated hiring of not only the lead pastor, but the, a youth pastor. So, therefore, we have to create that budget there. Yeah, Doug. Okay, so um, I understand this is a Yes. It makes sense, but tell me, it looks like 2021. Yeah. If, if you do get a cam, you're being optimistic. Wouldn't you want to bring them in and start trying to wait for a particular random date? But you have to come. Correct. So the question is, is say someone comes in in 2020, um, so we're paying a, a new lead pastor. 20, let's say early 2021. Okay, early 2021. Um, of course, Pastor Andrew's still here through the summer of 2021. What do we do? Uh, yeah, we're not, we're not going to let the budget define or, or di dictate what we're going to do. He is going to stay through that until he's ready to go. And if someone's ready to come in, we essentially have an overlap of, of people here. And in my opinion, that would be the ideal situation that we have this overlap. Um, and we would just essentially have to budget for that. So to answer your, your question, like we've talked to some consultants who basically say that um, a, a former lead pastor and a, a new lead pastor, they don't get along so well, right? And so I, I just, just like, really? Like, I, I, I don't know. I've never been through this before. And so it's like, yeah, you just be aware of that, that maybe if you do affirm a new lead pastor that you might have to have a quicker exit. So basically I just told her, I'll do whatever is best for the church. If it's quick, if it's, you know, slow, if it's somewhere in between, whatever is good for the healthiness of the church. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll work it out. But thanks for raising up the question. It's a good question. Next, and then Will, and then Diana. Gordon? Sorry, my question's about the budget. Um, so, in the, for the proposed budget, uh, ministry programs budget went up 50k and so I just kind of wanted some clarification on like what that entailed okay so I don't have the the detailed financials appendix in front of me but as I remember off the top of my head we set aside uh let me see 39,000 for the lead pastors and the youth director salary another 15k um for 15K for lead pastor search, basically the recruiter, as well as any travel and lodging. We have to bring the candidates here. So that's 15 plus 39, that's 54. So then there's another 23,000 that went to ministries and programs. So what, what do we do there? We increase the budgets for across the board for uh, all the ministry, most of the ministries, or matched it. Um, basically what the leaders had brought in and asked, we pretty much gave. And in fact, we gave it a little bit more. 
for um, we included a five thousand um, dollar basically placeholder for posture shift um, that that is coming soon next year. We we well, also we, did some. So salaries. I think I don't know if so, everyone knows what posture shift is. Probably not. So it's been a while since we talked about posture shift. So posture shift is a um, I don't know, it's like a conference, a seminar, and it's put together by an organization that is um, effectively trying to find a way to build, um, I'm not sure what the right word is, just build connection, build understanding. I think understanding is probably a better word to put it. Building understanding with the LGBTQ community. And a bunch of us went to a posture shift conference. Whew, 2018, I yeah. think? Yeah. 20, 2018, where we got exposed to, what is this about? So, uh, and so, Bruce, if, if I may, like, we live in the Bay Area, and um, we, we, we probably know people, if we're not people, who uh, identify as gay. And so that's a very relevant topic in, um, in our context, Right. And I, I realize the church has done very little in terms of empowering us to love um, the neighbor who, who is gay. Like, I know some of us are wondering, like, how do I have a conversation? Uh, how, how do I hold to biblical conviction and still love with reckless abandon? Is it possible? I mean, I think there's all these questions in terms of empowerment. Like, how do we, how do, we do this? And so the whole point of that conference is to empower our church to uh, embrace and to love all those who identify as gay. And so that's the conference. I went to it, and I felt so equipped as a result. And so I, I think we, we want to do a better job empowering our people to love everyone, including those who identify as gay. That's the big idea. So Gordon and I had an offline discussion just now. So the question was actually going through the the, the annual meeting slides and the ministry and programs when we broke it into subcategories. 2019 and 2020, there was a 70,000. That could be me and my bad bad math and bad excelling. Um, I'm going to take that offline, and I will follow up with you, Gordon. Okay? I, it could be a, I, I added the wrong cell or something like that. Okay. My bad, if it's, <laughs> if it's my mistake. Yeah, Will. Okay, so, uh, yeah, first of all, I want to thank you guys, you know, the, the committee, the board, for doing the lead pastor board. That's really great. Um, my, my observation is, is the following. You know this pastor search uh, timeline? Do you think, or how would it look like for the youth director? Would it be something that is done in parallel, or is it a maybe shed some light, because this process seems to be pretty, uh, uh, you know, it's a nice flow. I mean, uh, yeah. What are the pop the shed on this? Yeah. Um, so the question is, is what about the youth pastor, youth director? What are we doing about that? And I know Andrew is going to speak to that or speak to you a little bit. I just would say that if candidates are coming through as perhaps lead pastor candidates, but they may be better fits as, as a youth pastor candidate, we won't hesitate to kind of steer it that direction and see if they're interested. Even if that means then that person would be hired before the lead pastor. Ideally, you hire the lead pastor first. But if we see an opportunity um, to do so, then we would, we would 
we would grab that opportunity. So, Andrew, do you want to? So, I, I brought up Scott to give like a, a 30 second update on youth ministry. But in answer to your question first, um, I think it makes sense for us to put more focus on the lead pastor search be, before the youth pastor search, you know, or the youth director first. So, that, that sort of makes sense. And then, secondly, I just want you to know that we're talking to people in the community who could be a great fit. Right now, the, the only thing for you to do is just be hopeful and pray. But we're having certain conversations. We're not rushing it. And we're primarily not rushing it because we have Scott and the crew. And so now I'm going to tell, let Scott, like, give, give. Oh, yeah, you can do that. Okay, here, Scott's going to give a little update on, on youth ministry. Uh, so first of all, it's group effort. Um, we've had a, like, last year was a tough year as you all know, but it's also just been a way for us to see how God has been uh, faithful to us and providing us with a lot. We've still had a, a great time with the youth. We went to a bunch of graduations. It was really sad seeing all the seniors leave. We're going to have more seniors leave this year, but we also had a lot of great things that happened. Like we went to Kaleo on the youth mission trip, and we're going to try to go again this year. Uh, we're, we've been doing fun series, like we did a series on the life of David. We're going through one on identity right now. Um, and we're loving all the time we get to spend with the youth, hanging out with your families, going to their sporting events or concerts or whatever it is. Um, so it's going very well, and we're very thankful for all of the love and support we've received from y'all and just the way that God has been faithful through a difficult season. Thank you. More questions. Yes, Linda. Uh, I have a general question about when we first started all the transitioning conversations. I remember there was like probably three buckets of things we could pray for or get engaged with. One track was lead pastor search. One track was support for Andrew. And the third one, I can't remember what it was, but it felt like there were three kind of buckets. Could you refresh us on how, how Pastor Andrew's uh, support team is doing? And, so that has been um, more informal in terms of the, that support. I know there's different people that are, in a sense, reaching out and trying to support the Wongs, either Pastor Andrew directly or Reina. Um, so did you want to speak a little bit to what's going on? Maybe, maybe this uh, some Rain, do you want to come here? Um, the, the, we uh, we 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 feel very loved by the church. By the way, we we do. Um, so um, we, we feel very loved and very su- supported. It's it's been more of an individual effort. Um, so, uh, but we have felt very loved and supported. And so we just want to both say thank you and we love you too. Um, yeah, so I, I agree with that. We feel very loved and supported. We've had like people that have reached out to me and us to, you know, pray for us regularly and someone that reached out recently that said, Oh, we want to start a team to do something. So so things are in the works, but thank you for thinking of us. We really appreciate it. Okay, good job. Good job. More questions. No? Again, 
email us, board at christianlayman.org, I believe. (laughs) If you have questions or you want to see more information, we're happy to share it with you all. Um, So I think that concludes our meeting. Uh, Andrew, would you... Would you mind closing us? Is that okay? <clears throat> um, can I, can I, before we pray, um, one minute just to encourage you all, okay? Um, I, I've been reading from the, the book of James recently, and, uh, and I felt pretty convicted in the context of our level of expectancy in who God might provide. And I think for a season of time, I'm just kind of getting discouraged because there's not a lot of Asian-American pastors, if I'm honest, right? Um, and so, but I felt like when reading the book of James, like one of the values is like, James is like, when you pray, don't doubt. Don't, don't be wishy-washy, you know. Don't think, oh, I don't know if God will give us, you know. But believe in faith because God gives to those without finding fault, right? And so I was really convicted. I was like, okay, Lord, no more wimpy prayers for, like, lead pastor. I'm going to pray and expect our good father is going to give a good replacement. Not too good, okay? <laughs> just, just to be clear, not too good. Lord, you know, just the right, you know, amount of good, right? Good but not too Okay, um, and so, and so that was my conviction to this new year. I'm not going to pray wimpy like, oh, will he? No, no, no. God is good, period. God provides, period. I'm going to pray with faith. So what do you say we all pray these prayers for the next lead pastor with expectant faith? God's going to provide someone good, you know? And so would you join me in that, in, with that sort of spirit? Uh. And Raina, would you just join me up here as we just pray for our church in this way? Uh, Father, there's, there's actually a lot of things to pray for, but um, one thing that is very just critical for our, our church family is just our staff team going forward and, and who's on the bus and who's not on the bus. And uh, I remember that um, in, in Luke 11, you said that the harvest is ripe and so one thing you did not tell us to do is just go start looking and just like hit LinkedIn. You know, it's, it's, that's not what you said, Jesus. You said, pray. Okay. So you said it. And as a church, here we are doing it. We are standing before you with expectant faith, knowing that our Father knows how to give good gifts. You do. You are a God who provides. In your very heart, you provide You are Jehovah Jireh. How can you not provide for your kids? You love them so much. You love us so much. So we are praying for all the positions going forward, knowing that you will provide in a mighty way. Please provide for the next lead pastor. Please provide that King David. You know hearts. You know calling, you know passion. There's nothing you can't do. And we have other needs too, like a, a youth director. But I, I do provide, I do ask, Father, because you are a great provider, and we're just going to trust you. Help our, our church to journey along in faith, believing that you have good things in store. And, and not necessarily just waiting for, 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 to, to, to see what happens before we, we buy in. 
But just banking on faith, you are good. You are so good. You're going to provide, and we love you. We trust you. It's going to be an adventure for all of us. It's going to be exciting and scary, but you will emerge as the hero. Jesus, we love you. Be glorified in Christian Lehman Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I think we're done. I would like to start um, our time this way. Last Sunday during our annual meeting, we were asked the question of whether the lead pastor, the future lead pastor, can be female. In response, I articulated my stance on the issue, namely that the lead pastor and the board chair should be positions occupied by men. After my response and after the meeting, I had some very painful conversations with people in the church whom I dearly love. And these conversations helped me to understand a few things. When I explained my position, it came off as scripture says this and anything else is not biblically based. When I said, I love the scriptures, implicitly what was communicated was that if you disagree with me, you don't love the scriptures. When I said, I've been studying the scriptures for a very long time, implicitly what was communicated is that if you disagree with me, you, you haven't studied the scriptures as arduously as I have. It dawned on me that my approach to the question was not making room for people who love and have studied the scriptures and have come to a different conclusion than I have. And this is the reality. In our church, we have people who love and have studied the scriptures, and they are people who we deeply respect. And on this issue of women in leadership, they have come to a different conclusion than mine. Last Sunday, how I answered the question wasn't the right way to have the conversation. My words communicated disrespect, and for that, I sincerely apologize. I'm sorry. In Christendom, when it comes to women in leadership, there are two main interpretations Excuse me, uh, as I am simplifying this, but hopefully to add some clarity. There are egalitarians who believe that women can and should serve in any capacity of the church. There are complementarians who believe that male headship should be represented in the church. Last Sunday, I went pretty strong on a form of the complementarian perspective, and I'm realizing that in our church, it just wasn't very helpful. I think the better way to express my passion and my conviction is not in a stance, but in a process. And the process is to look at the scriptures and to wrestle with the scriptures and then to faithfully apply its teachings into our context in a way to give God glory. 
And I hope we can be unified and have conviction in that process together. Last Sunday, I gave a strong stance, but I know that for this issue, there are layers of complexity. There is a diversity of opinion on this issue in our church. And honestly, every strength, every stance has its strength and its weakness. And so if good Christians who love the scripture disagree on this topic, there has to be a way that we can engage in civil discourse with respect, honoring people, honoring the word of God. I didn't do a good job of that last Sunday. I want to do better. And I'll say something else. We have a unique opportunity to showcase the unifying power of the gospel to bring unity amid diversity. I'm remembering the words of John Wesley who said that in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. Now, please do understand that as a board, we have not met as a board yet to roll out some kind of plan or to own what's ours to own or to engage in the process of learning how we could have done this better. We're going to meet next week. You could pray for us. I I just wanted to share with you from my own heart what is for me to own. Let me also leave with you all what I've been reminding myself in this process. This is what I preach to myself in my head, which is that it's from James 1, which says, Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. And our church is going to be wrestling with this issue to clearly identify who we are and where we're going. And it's a good and it's a necessary and it's a clarifying process. And I would encourage us to engage in the scriptures, to be humble and to love one another and believe that God has something really good for us in this process so we can process together with joy. I also want to remind us all that in John 17, in the middle of this amazing prayer of Jesus, the the great high priestly prayer, like right in the middle, he is praying that his followers, everyone in this church, can be perfectly united as one. John 17. That's the prayer of Jesus. And Jesus is praying this, and he knows the complexities that all the churches will experience, all the diversity that's going to be in the churches, and he's praying that by us abiding in him, we can be one. We can have unity amid diversity. And so as we're going to start talking about these issues and wrestling with the scripture and loving each other and being humble in this discussion, we can know that as we do this, We're going with the prayer and the will of Jesus, and so we're going to have all his resources to do it. So um, I had one of you say, you know, Pastor Andrew and the board, are you willing to get messy with us? And then on this conversation with my heart, I said, yeah, I'm willing. I'm willing. So um, we're going to meet with the board, and we're going to talk about it, and and we'll we'll have a plan, and you can be praying for us. But, um, but please pray with me and for our church. Father, um, I, I want to be a better leader in every way that I can grow. And I truly am sorry that in an unnecessary way, I hurt and alienated people in our church. I didn't want to do that, and words are powerful, and I did do that. And I um, uh, robbed them of dignity. 
and I truly apologize for that. Uh, Please forgive me, and uh, Father, as we walk through this issue, I know there's a way that we can do it with full conviction and with full love and full humility, and it must be the way of Jesus and applying all the resources of God, so help us. Jesus, in, in, in John 17, you prayed that the church would have perfect unity, and you knew all the issues that we would discuss There must be a way in your gospel and with your resources that we can be humble, that we can process scripture, that we can be faithful. Help us. For every conversation we have in public, one-on-one, please help us. And we know that we can do this, so help us to do this, not begrudgingly, but with joy. This is going to be a good process for our church. And I can just say that in faith. Help us to stay connected to you, And I do pray, Father, that you would showcase the unity of your gospel amid diversity, even in complex issues. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.